Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. Today I am in the book of Romans, and we continue to make a little more progress through this very important book, and we want to do it justice. And so today we will pick up in Romans chapter 11, beginning with verse 11, and we'll see how far we get. My intent is to get through verse 18 today, so we will see if that works. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not, but through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches." But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So I trust that we can get through this entire passage. We will see that God's got some good things for us today. So I'm delighted to have you with us, and I pray that this will be a blessing to you. In Romans, we saw in this first part of Romans chapter 11, how Paul is dealing with the fact that his people have come under blindness, those who have rejected Jesus. He talks about how it's they can still be saved. There's always that chance. But if they continue in their rebellion, that blindness will remain permanent. And it will end up causing them the permanent consequences, just like anyone else who rejects Jesus Christ. But he's saying here it doesn't have to be that way. So he's saying what caused this blindness was their own rejection of the Messiah, the promised one of old, that God sent his very own son. And so he says, since they've stumbled, in essence, should they, should it fall? Should they fall? In other words, should it be permanent? Is it necessarily doomed now to be a permanent fall for them? And he says, certainly not. There's still hope. They can turn. We saw that this blindness can be removed from anyone who will turn to the Lord. Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So Paul leaves them with hope, but he speaks about this blindness on them. Whether it's permanent or not depends on each of their choices. 
So Paul says in verse 11 and 12 that while Israel as a whole is in a state of rejecting the Messiah, God is saving the Gentiles and he is using the believing people, both Jew and Gentile, that God is calling now the church to be his instrument to reach the Jewish people. You see, the church is made up of the believing remnant. He's already talked about those and the Gentiles who have been saved and believed in Jesus. And so this church now becomes his instrument, particularly the saved Gentiles, the believing Gentiles. And as his instrument, the church then is designed to cause the Jews to want to know Jesus also. The word for provoke them to jealousy means to incite or stimulate them to emulation. In other words, it's an invitation. It's designed to show them, hey, this is what your scriptures meant. This is your Jesus. He is your promised Messiah. Come to him. It's designed to invite them. It's designed to draw them and to stimulate them to realize how they've missed it, to now seek the Lord and turn to the Lord so that their eyes can now be opened. This is the instrumentation that God is using through the church to provoke them to jealousy, to stimulate them to emulate, to stimulate them to call upon the name of the Lord, turn to him so that their blindness can be removed and they too can be saved and have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So in the ending of verse 12, he lets us know that when all Israel, there is coming a day when there will be the remainder of Israel then that will call upon the Lord. This is prophesied in the word in several places, and it's more than what we can get into in this particular episode today. I have covered that in some other things in my Revelation study in the Thy Kingdom Come series that I did, etc. It goes into some of the Revelation and end time prophetic words, but there is prophecy throughout Scripture that talks about how Israel will be saved. We will get into a little more about that later in this same chapter in Romans. But for today, Paul is saying, whenever that happens, that's even going to be even greater for the world. He says, if the fact that the Gentiles are now saved, and that's a blessing to the world, how much more when all of Israel at that time comes to know Jesus, bows the knee, calls upon him for salvation, then it's going to mean even more to the entire world, an even greater blessing then. Now, in verse 13, Paul begins to speak to the Gentile believers in the church. And he's going to speak to them to clarify, to exhort, and to warn them. First of all, to do that, just like he did in verse 2, because in verse 2 of this chapter, he established his own authenticity 
to show the Jewish people that he is a living example of how a Jew that was rejecting the Messiah can turn to the Lord, have the blindness removed, become saved, have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and then be an instrument bearing him fruit and serving him and loving him in a relationship with Jesus. So Paul established that in verse 2 of this chapter for the Jewish people. Now he's establishing his authority to speak as an apostle to the Gentiles. He is establishing that authority so that he can address and charge the Gentile believers with what's on his heart to do that. And he got his authority straight from God. And so I want us to go back and read a small section of that in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9 is when we read the account of how Paul came to faith in Jesus Christ, how Jesus blinded him on the way to Damascus, and he called Paul at that time, saved him then, and Paul says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, so we go on down, and I want to begin the reading in verse 10 of Acts chapter 9. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias obeys and go, goes and gets Saul and finds him. And then Saul's name later is changed to Paul, and he becomes the apostle Paul. But his call came straight from God and was confirmed by both Ananias and by Luke, the author of the book of Acts, who is recording this. And so I'm certain that Luke got this directly from the horse's mouth, so to speak, the old proverbial saying, because he would have interviewed Ananias, etc., or maybe Paul told him. But Luke is a witness to this as well, and Ananias is, in essence, a first-hand witness to the call of God directly for the apostle Paul, and his call was to bear the Lord's name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now I want us to look at Acts chapter 13, verses 46 through 48, and it says this, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it, 
and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as have been appointed to eternal life believed. So Paul is establishing here before Jewish people who are coming against him, the Jewish leadership that's coming against him, Paul and Barnabas here confirm that he is called to be a light to the Gentiles. So Paul has authority from God to address the Gentile church, the Gentile believers here. He's willing to be used of God as an instrument to provoke or stimulate his Jewish brothers and sisters to Jesus and save whoever will accept the message and turn and repent and call upon the name of the Lord that they be saved. But he's also establishing here that he's going to address the Gentile believers with something very important. And so he's established his authority and his authenticity to do that. So in verse 15, he begins to stress some things here. He says, If their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? In other words, he is stressing here that if the rejection of the Jewish people to Jesus and about Jesus and their ensuing blindness and hardness has accomplished the salvation of many in the world coming to Jesus and being reconciled to God, then when Israel turns and believes in full in Jesus, it will be even greater life and blessings for everyone. I want to direct you to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through 21. I've read it many times in some of the various episodes of, of teachings that I've done, and it is a beloved passage of Scripture. But in there, it talks about and explains how we are being reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ, becoming a brand new creation. Old things passed away. All has become new. And it talks about all of that. And so Paul is drawing on that. And he says here, if, if the Jews' rejection of the Lord has been used now to reconcile the whole world who aren't Jewish to himself, as well as to the believing Jews, then how much more when the whole of Israel in that coming day that's been prophesied, that is yet to come, how much more is the world going to be blessed it's going to be like actual life from the dead. And he may even be referring to true resurrection then, because there is coming a day when people will be resurrected. He may be speaking of resurrection from the dead in the sense of the deadness of sin. Paul has spoken about being dead in our trespasses and sins, as well as ultimately the future resurrection of the just that's what Jesus called it. And that's when we will actually enter heaven, all whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and enjoy eternal life with the Lord forever. And reconciliation simply means being restored to the favor of God. 
where his wrath no longer has to abide on us because of unrepentant sin and rebellion. But now we have entered a brand new, beautiful relationship with him and have been restored to favor through faith alone in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. So in verse 16 through 18 of chapter 11 of Romans here, Paul is dealing with in this section that we need to understand this, how it applies to the church, to Jesus, to the Jewish people, and to the Gentiles. And he's particularly warning and exhorting the Gentiles in some of these verses. And I want us to look at this in a little more detail. So first of all, we want to understand this by connecting all of Scripture together. Remember, one of the main principles of Bible study and proper understanding of the Scriptures is to always let Scripture interpret Scripture. We don't try to guess at what's being said. We don't try to come up with our own ideas about what this means and what that means and what the other means. We let the Scriptures tell us what he means. God will speak and he will confirm all throughout his word. It tells us in the book of Proverbs that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings is to search it out. In other words, God will weave all throughout his word bits and pieces like, in a sense, like a puzzle. And then our joy and the benefit is to dig in And then when we're reading in the scriptures and we're studying the scriptures, we understand it when we search the whole of scripture and let God put the pieces together for us. So that's what we're going to do here in understanding the truth about what Paul is communicating in verse 16 through 18. It was my intent to try to finish that whole section today. But because of the richness of it and what we need to look at through the rest of Scripture to understand what Paul is saying here, I do believe that it is worthwhile for us to stop this particular episode and pick up with this in tomorrow's episode. So we will pick this back up in the next episode, and I pray that you will join me again, and we will see the beauty of what Paul is saying here and understand his heartfelt words. I pray that this has been a blessing to you today, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.